What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We're back here for our post-draft recap. Tom, how you doing? We got Mike French on the line. Frenchy, how you doing as well, bud? Hey, I'm happy with my draft. Very happy. Well, that's got to make you feel good. Frenchy, how you doing, pal? I'm doing all right. You know, Christmas has passed, and now I'm just kind of getting ready for New Year's. I don't know what the equivalent would be, but it's probably when everybody, you know, gets to go to training camp. So very much looking forward to the stories that are coming out and, you know, love picking up and seeing who everybody's picking up right now from the undrafted free agents. Yeah, yeah it was a, a fun time to see. Last night. It's always fun to see who gets picked up by each team. Mm-hmm. Kind of fill, see what other needs they're going to fill. All right, why don't we run up and down the 32? Um, I'd like a little more detail on your Giants and Jets, but we'll go over the first round for each team. Sure. Let's just start at the top. Joe Burrow, easy, great pick. Um, you know, that's getting an A. You fixed it up. Uh, Washington Redskins, you get an A. Excellent job. You got the best player in the draft when he was there, Jeff Okuda. Um, the Okuda pick is fascinating because the rumors are that the Jaguars had a deal set up with the Giants for 9-42 and 42 to jump to 4, but the player they wanted was Okuda. So that deal went down the drain um, when the Lions took Okuda, who I think was definitely the right pick. You know, that's a position of need. They got, in my eyes, second-best player in the draft. You're getting an A. New York Giants took Andrew Thomas. That was a bit of a surprise. Um, but it's still one of the top three tackles I had in this class. He comes in without any questions. He's a very steady player. Um, and it, in my eyes, I think he's going to push Solder to right tackle. He's going to come in, start left tackle day one. And if that's the player you're getting, um, can't dock you too bad. I gave them an A-. minus. Um, but Werfs was still available. At the time, I was a little bit more shocked by it. But looking back at the draft to see how far he fell um, – you know, it doesn't seem to be as shocking of a pick there. Dolphins went chalk at five with Tua. Everybody's saying Herbert this, and maybe they go with, you know, all these other positions, stop listening to the noise, and go back to what we heard before. Tua's the pick. It's the right one. Well done, Miami. Chargers at six um, take Justin Herbert. Allegedly, that was the quarterback they had eyes on the whole time. A little mechanical, but he might get the chance to sit a bit. And if not, he's got some great weapons um, and some good offensive pieces around him. At seven, uh, Panthers took Derrick Brown. Again, top five player you're getting at seven. Really like this pick. The Panthers, to me, had one of the most fascinating drafts. What grade though. did the Chargers get? Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, I gave the Chargers an A. Okay. Yeah. And you got a quarterback who's got franchise traits. You take him at six. They didn't need to move up for him or do anything like that. No other value was given. If it doesn't work out, you take another one in two more years. If it works out, bam, you got your franchise guy for 12. There it is. Um, and that that's just kind of a gamble. But if you're not sacrificing future picks to go up and make those moves, I don't think you can, you know, dock that grade too much. If you're wondering how I actually grade, check my rate, my professor uh, ratings, and you'll see I'm not exactly the harshest of graders. But um, <laughs> there you that's go. what I that's what I'm going to give them. Uh, Cardinals get Isaiah Simmons. This feels like a bit of a steal, but after the Giants, it was really just are the Car- are, are the Carolina Panthers going to go with Brown or Simmons? They went Brown. Cardinals get Simmons. You get an A. Jacksonville Jaguars take C.J. Henderson, corner from Florida. 
Um, this was also the pick I mocked to them. I think it's a great one for them. It fits an instant need. Um, a, a pick there, and I round out the top 10 with another A. Cleveland Browns take Jedrick Wills, the tackle. Um, he's just going to be a perfect fit. He's been a blindside protector, so I know that there will be a couple, you know, what foot do you put your weight on and making sure that inside hand is the one hitting and those things. Um, but the notion that can he be a blindside protector, left tackle thing, I'd it's just from people not understanding that the right tackle is the blind side for a lefty quarterback. Can't fix stupid. Um, he's going to slide into the left tackle. And now Baker Mayfield has his bookends for the next three or four years with uh, Wilson Conklin. So that's another A there. Yeah, thank I like you. what Thank all you for clearing up that tackle thing. I knew, I know Sean, even though he watched Alabama football, kind of struggled with that. <laughs> I'm glad that, of, I'm glad that you broke it down to like the most micro level you could. That's what I'm here for. I take moderately complex things and make them sound simple because that's what they actually Sean, are. Sean, are you good now? Do you have any other questions about that? I know you've been struggling with it for a few years. <laughs> not, <laughs> not really. I mean, listen, these teams identify. You've been struggling with that since like Tebow, right? With Tebow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I feel pretty damn good about all of these picks. And you know, if if the Giants look at if the Giants look at Thomas and say this is the safest guy, we're not going to have to worry about him. He's a four year starter, or he started all the games that he was a part of at Georgia, and he's just a beast. I mean, again, I was surprised by the pick. French knows that, but mm-hmm. when you evaluate where these other guys fell, I mean it was pretty obvious that they had him head and shoulders above. And if that's your guy, you take him. Wills is a great pick there for, uh, for Cleveland to take care of Baker. I mean, that offensive line was a disaster last year. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, we're going to take a look at the whole Giants draft later, but there's just kind of this entire philosophy of the draft and the kinds of guys that they're looking for. And I think Thomas exemplifies that they're looking for steady guys who are going to have a role right there may not always be the highest upside players, but it's people who are going to have a quick role when they get to training camp. Um, but they're also looking for leaders, experienced guys, and people who are going to be steady. Um, and I think Thomas exemplifies all those traits that we saw um, Dave Gettleman look for throughout the draft. Can I say one more thing about uh, Dave Gettleman real quickly? Everybody who's talking about him putting on a mask needs to shut the fuck up. Because the guy just beat cancer a year ago, and if you're unaware, every head coach and GM has an IT person in the room with them while they're going through all of these things. So he's a little bit higher risk than the rest of the population due to having had cancer and his age. So I understand that there are plenty of jokes out there people want to make about Gettleman, but this is one everyone needs to shut the damn mouth on. I was guilty of it. I'm sorry. All right, you didn't know. <laughs> bad guy. All-time bad guy. Top oh, of thanks, All right, time to get to the uh, Jets pick at 11. Woo! Uh, I gave Mackay Becton an A-. minus. Um, again, I thought that given some of their needs, that wide receiver was a bit more pressing. And this is, again, just the first-round pick. Um, this is a big-body guy. I think he's going to slot right into the starting lineup, though. And, again, if you get someone who you think is going to be a starting tackle right off the bat, I'm not giving you less than an A-, even if I have someone a little bit higher. 
Um, same thing that I was saying about the Thomas pick before. Um, Becton's going to need more work than Thomas is to get right into that starting lineup. But, boy, is he a big body, and he's going to bring a lot of uh, push onto that line. I think he's going to help Bell even more than he helps Darnold. But, um, again, just in terms of need and um, people at the position, I think A-minus there is pretty solid for what they did. I gave Henry Ruggs to the Raiders an A-minus as well. Um third wide receiver, and they took him first. And the reason they did it is because they're the Raiders. This is the most Raiders pick since Darius Hayward Bay. Um, I think this one, um, it just kind of fits who we think the Raiders are instead of who I think they should try to be. The Buccaneers traded up one slot to get Tristan, Tristan Wirfs, gave that pick an A. Love this pick. I think he's going to you know, step in play right tackle for Tom Brady, and that's a great way to be a rookie uh, offensive lineman. 14, I've got Javon Kinlaw, defensive lineman from South Carolina. I thought that 49ers were going to go with a wide receiver here. Instead, they just re-bolster that defensive line. So they basically take the DeForest Buckner pick, flip that for this one, and then they take someone to come in and fill his shoes. I think Kinlaw's a great player. Um, I would have liked them to try and get a bit more explosive or fill some other holes, especially given that defensive interior players were available later. But this is a solid pick. It gets an A. My first A-plus goes to the Denver Broncos, where they took Jerry Judy at 15. They were trying to trade up for most of the draft to make sure that they could get Judy, and he slid to them at 15. Um, They got a top-five player and the best receiver in the draft right there at 15, so that's a hell of a pick for them. My first C of the day goes to the Atlanta Falcons. And um, frankly, I feel like a C is pretty generous here. Um, they took A.J. Terrell to corner from Clemson. And this is just the classic moment of a team reaching for need instead of taking one of the top players available. And they just went straight for who was left on their board at corner. And they took a guy who I did not imagine was going to be in this mid-first area when there were still – um, some top-level talents. And I'm not saying if he slid into the you know, latter half of the second, or excuse me, latter half of the first, early second, I would have been stunned. But 16 was shocking. Um, I think that the Atlanta Falcons defense has a lot more needs than just looking at you know the corners. You know, they could have gone with Levon Chasen, the edge rusher from LSU. They could have gone with Kenneth Murray. Um, there were just options that they could have had. Instead, they reached for someone who I had much lower on my board. Um, and then the Cowboys took C.D. Lamb. Entire time I'm watching this draft, I'm just having that feeling that Lamb's about to fall to them. That pick gets an A+. Plus. He's going to be electric for them. What grade did you give at... um, Jerry's yacht? Give who? What grade did you give Jerry Jones's yacht? Oh, A+. Plus. Okay. Easily, the he somehow beat out Cliff Kingsbury for having the best draft spot. Right. You know, I have to say, the Giants' head coach had had a lovely view as well. Yeah. So uh, apparently, he was having tech issues from Massachusetts, so to be closer to his IT person, um, he actually went to Jersey. And I'm not exactly sure where he was. He looked like he was at the practice facility, but... It it certainly did. That was kind of my thought as well, which I found was really interesting. Um, I'm not sure what the league's going to think about that. I didn't know you were allowed to be there. But 
the league needs to figure out why Tom Brady is walking into the wrong homes while he's trying to go see a coach he's not allowed to be with right now before they oh, get oh, oh. <laughs> So uh, those are my grades through 17. So far, the only you know bad pick that I would say, and I feel comfortable saying that, was the Falcons taking Terrell. That was a huge reach for me. And uh, honestly, until we got through a couple more, was the shock of the draft. Honestly, was the shock of the first round even more so than some of the things we saw later on. Yeah, and Frenchy, you saw three corners go after Terrell as well. And I know you, you mentioned, obviously, head and shoulders above the rest were Okuda, followed up by uh, Henderson, who, who mm-hmm. went ahead of him. But you see the next three guys go in the first round. I mean, you said that they really just reached for a position of need, not taking the best available player. Did they just miss out on the corner as well with the next three that went later in the first? Who would you have seen? if they were going to go corner, that was a better option than Terrell. Just staying in the first, I think Noah Igbenogane, who ended up going to the Dolphins, I think for the first round corners was the best one there. Um, and Jeff Gladney as well, who ended up with the Vikings. Now it depends on the sort of defense that you want to run. Um, but I think both of those were head and shoulders ahead of Terrell. Yeah, I, I I know you were really down on this pick, and, and he was a reach. I mean, Tom, you mentioned Terrell as well. You know, he's a little too handsy. And yep. I didn't expect a, him to go this plan. early either. I thought he would have been a nice second-round pick. Absolutely, and if you're taking someone like that in the second round, I can say, hey, nice job. That's a fair pick. That's, you know, the place where they should be. Um, but when you're reaching for someone like that in the first just because you're looking at potential and what I can do, instead of just taking a great player at another position of need. Um, the Falcons, to me, just screamed a team who reached for a position instead of going off of their board. Yeah, and one more thing on the C.D. Lamb pick, Frenchie. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about how, how much of a baller Jared Jones is going from the $286 million yacht, making his picks, and he kicked out all the scouts the day before, right? So he didn't need any scouts' help to tell him, take C.D. Lamb here. Yeah, it's one of those things where everyone made fun of John Gruden for firing the scouts four days before, but on the day of the draft, Jerry Jones told all of his scouts, do not reach out to me. Um, But he's Jerry Jones. We all let it go. And then it gets even better for him because CeeDee Lamb slips to him, and they get a great player. And now they're top three skill position, you know, weapons. They've got Ezekiel Elliott, top three running back in the league. They've got CeeDee Lamb, who is a steal here. And it's going to be underpaid because that's what rookies are. And after that, you've got Amari Cooper, who's going to be a stud with them as well. So Not to mention um, Michael Gallup. Not, Michael Gallup's going to be a great downfield threat. And I like that tight now. end as well. Like Jarwin's a pretty nice tight end too. Absolutely. So even if we go five deep, they've now got one of the deepest skill position groups there. That defense is going to have some struggles. Um, Sean, you shouldn't – I just want to say, Sean, you shouldn't talk to Will for – at least till the first Cowboys' devastating loss. I, I, is, is he has he put pants on yet since the draft? Because I can't imagine that he's he's, he's already talking. You 15 he's times, he's right? a classic Cowboys fan. He's already talking. I didn't say anything about the draft, and he's like, "Oh, fucking Mims, Baylor wide receivers are never good in the NFL. That's trash." I'm like, I don't know why you got to put me down, bro, just to prop yourself up. This is Tom's cousin, Frenchie, by the way. Ah, well, yeah. I'll Classic Cowboys that, fan from New York. Just, you know, genuine clown. Just makes you a bad person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think what the Cowboys did, 
you know, at this spot was great, and they supplemented it with some very good picks later on. We'll talk about them when I talk winners and losers as well. Uh, Miami Dolphins had the next pick. I gave Austin Jackson a B minus. I thought there were some better tackles available, but I very much understand the pick. I don't know if he's going to be able to step in right away, but they are going to expect him to. Uh, the next pick was the Raiders. They took Damon Arnett, another corner from Ohio State. I gave this pick a C. This was another guy I thought was going third round, maybe second round. Grabbing him in the first, the Raiders have this very kind of up-and-down draft. Their skill positions make sense, but then when they go defense, you kind of like shrug your shoulders. Same thing happened last year. At 20, the Jaguars took Kalevon Chasen. Um, one of the things that they talked about last night on the draft was how this kid – had six scholarships before he ever played football. And I mean, football scholarships as well, which just speaks to the kind of athlete he's always been. Gave this pick an A. Henderson and Chase on for them, I think, is a great way to lead off the defense. In my mock, I had Henderson uh, and Kinlaw, but I also didn't think that Chase on was going to be able to get there. Turns out it was Kinlaw who wouldn't be able to. But I think Chase on off the edge to pair up with Josh Allen is going to be great. And now you have someone who's going to be a straight-up man corner. 21, the Eagles went with Jalen Rieger, who I gave a B-plus to. Um, this is not nearly as egregious as um, what the Falcons did, but it's the same sort of thing. It's going for the position. Now, if this you're going to go for ma- the position, take the guy that got taken right after, in my opinion. That, that was my feeling. Or what I would have loved to have seen from them is, especially Falcons, you're going to overdraft somebody. Eagles, go up and get that pick. We know San Francisco was looking to move off of 13. You go up there, you get your pick of the receivers, um, aside from rugs. But instead, they wait, and they take Jalen Rieger. I gave this pick a B-plus because Rieger is a legitimate prospect. He comes with a ton of speed. Um, the problem is he doesn't come with too much else. He's kind of like rugs a minus. I gave the Minnesota pick an A-minus there. Again, I have a couple receivers, you know, a little bit ahead of Jefferson, um, but it's a pick that I think fits their needs. He's going to be great for them. Um, and someone who, again, most mocks had going to the Eagles a pick ahead. The first thing I look at when I'm grading these picks before I look at fit, I look at does the player belong to be where he was picked? You know, and that's where I start with a lot of these. And does Justin Jefferson belong to be around here picked there? Absolutely. I personally had a couple guys rated ahead of it, so I docked it to an A minus, but that's about it. I think this is a very good player for Minnesota and kind of fits that, you know, idea that everybody's kind of a slot receiver there. Chargers. Absolutely. I think Thielen can go back to the outside, or I think he can go back to the outside. I think they're going to be just fine. I know everybody was talking about how Thielen kind of was moved to the slot and he produced more. People forget that two years ago he had a great year and that was more out wide. So I, I think they're going to be fine. I agree. I think uh, I think the Minnesota offense just took some big steps forward here. Um, but as a team, they also their their books were a mess. They had so much money to pay out. You know, you move Diggs and you get a very similar, and I'm not saying Justin Jefferson's going to be a pro bowler immediately, but you get a similar guy for far cheaper. You can look to pay some of your defensive players. I thought Minnesota, you know, played this draft process very shrewdly. Yeah, and getting rid of some of those locker room issues, too, that Diggs was contributing to in that Minnesota locker room. I think getting a a big-body receiver who's out of the slot, who has 
a comparable skill set, like you said, not going to walk in and be a pro bowler right away. But I think just have Kirk Cousins being able to work with this guy for a full year is going to be a really good fit for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to keep going, the Chargers, they got this pick from New England Patriots who traded out of the first round. Surprise, surprise. Um, they went with Kenneth Murray, the linebacker from Oklahoma. I gave this pick an A. Um, now down the middle, they're starting to put some things together just in terms of the interior. If you're just looking at the box, in that box they're going to have Murray, um, you know, Derwin James, but also Bosa rushing in that same sort of area. So Ingram as well. Yeah, Ingram as well. So I think that the Chargers defense is starting to put some things together. They've now got a quarterback. Sorry, but I'm not buying Tyrod Taylor. Um, I, you know, this is a team that people have been – lauding their talent for quite a while and let's see if it can finally turn from talent to wins you know if we think philip rivers is the you know cause of all of their losses and why they're picking six you know that's one thing i'm not sure if he was that bad but i do think that they did a great job of infusing some talent here on the defensive side by trading back in for murray at the saints the saints then took caesar ruiz which really uh shocked quite a few people here um, and by, you know, shock, I don't think it was, you know, this major off-putting. It's a position most people didn't think the Saints were going, but I gave the pick an A. He's the top center. He might play some guard, or they're going to move Eric McCoy from center to his natural position of guard. But you've got a short, old quarterback, and you got the top guy to prevent interior pressure. You were know, you well disappointed done. they didn't go love here? I mean, I was a little bit just because of the drama, but... Luckily, Jordan Love found a way to give us plenty of drama two picks later. Yes. Uh, at, at 25, the Vikings traded this pick to the 49ers. The 49ers came up and took Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk, I gave this pick an A-. minus. He's got great after-catch ability, and he's a very good route runner. He's a little bit slender. He's not a perfect piece. And, um, you know, I'm looking Mims and Chanel and a couple other receivers. But Brandon Ayuk was the next one on my board after those two guys. Um, and I think he fits the San Francisco offense really well. I and really that, like what San Francisco did, Frenchie, real quick, because you, yeah. you mentioned you mentioned before when they were able to get uh, Javon Kinlaw to kind of make up for uh, DeForest Buckner leaving, and now they did the same thing after Emmanuel Sanders leaves. They just plug in Brandon Ayuk. I mean, they they took two players in the draft, high end talents, far less expensive. And just they don't seem to be that team. You know, I know we talked about last week how there's teams that have the Super Bowl hangover and they get kind of complacent. Mm -hmm. 49ers didn't seem to have any of that at all, and especially with the trade for Trent Williams later in the draft. I mean, this team is not satisfied with coming in second. Yeah, I think the Trent Williams trade is really the one where you just said, wow, they're ready to go again. But again, it's kind of a plug and replace. Joe Staley's retiring. They plug and replace Trent Williams. Ayuk plug and replace Sanders, Kinlaw plug and replace um, Buckner. I would have liked to seen them try and improve in a spot or two, but you only have so many options, and the Niners had very few picks. You know, we talked about two very good first-round picks, um, but those were all of their picks until the fifth round. They had a total of five picks. After that, they got tackled Colton McKivis from West Virginia. It's not blowing the doors off the world. Charlie Werner from Georgia, a tight end, and Juwan Jennings, a wide receiver from Tennessee, again, if you only have so few picks, you know, you better hit on them. Luckily, San Francisco did. I think they're, you know, they're restocked. You know, they're ready to make the same run with the same guys. 
We're going to see if they're going to be able to do that, though, now that they go from a worst-to-first-place schedule. How do you guys and... feel about them trading away Brita? I was okay with it. Yeah, I mean, they, they have, have two other guys position. there, so. Yeah, they have a couple other guys already in-house. And, um, you know, they trade Brita for a fifth, and then they needed a fifth this year to be able to get Trent Williams. So to me, it was kind of, one of those exchanges you give him for a fifth and, you know, would you trade Matt Breida and a third for Trent Williams? Say absolutely. Um, and it's just kind of that little bit of a flip there in my eyes, but I, I didn't think it was a you know major deal. We've seen so many running backs be successful in that offense. Um, and I assume they're going to go find someone off the streets. Maybe Glenn Coffey will come out of retirement, he'll leave the pastor <laughs> life and come be a running back for them once more, and even he might get a 100-yard day. <laughs> that doesn't sound too bad to me. Maybe Sean, will, maybe Sean will come off the street put the pads on. There you hey. go. My 40's not great, though. That's the problem. Mm. I'm not going to wow anybody with that. Um, all right, let's get to the most popular, unpopular, but most definitely most discussed pick of this draft. At 26, the Packers not only draft but trade up to get Jordan Love, and I know in your mock you said they're going to get him. This is the year we're getting Rodgers a weapon, right? Now we'll go defense. No, they didn't even do that. <laughs> they got Rodgers, made me replacement in a few years at 26. This was crazy, man. Uh, walk us through what you took from it. Well, the first thing I took from it was that even though I didn't have it as the pick in my mock, my exact words were, if Jordan Love falls, you might get a new quarterback to sit for a couple of years, Packers fans. So I gave okay. myself a little pat in the back, even if for I'm not sure. jerking myself off. I, I thought this pick made a lot of sense um, just going by what they were doing. Not that I agree with it, but here's the thing. If we look back a few years from now and Jordan Love is starting to take things over, a la Rodgers, Mahomes, or any of these guys, you know, everybody's grade and everybody's idea of this draft is already it's going to be screwed up. But right now, I gave this one a B minus, and some people might see it as a little high. But like I said, the first place I'm looking is is the player appropriate for this draft slot? You're telling me you've got a quarterback with a ton of tools, my fourth ranked quarterback, a world of tools, and needs some time to kind of grow as a quarterback. He's not starting right away. Um, but he's got an elite arm in some of those pieces, and you were taking that late first. I thought that was the right slot for him. Now, the question is the fit in the team. You've got a team that was 13-3. and They were in the NFC Championship game. You know, we can talk about how good we think that the Packers really were, but for a 13-3 team, they seem to have quite a few holes. You know, they got wrecked defensively in that run game. You know, if you're trading up for this spot, you could have gone with Patrick Queen, you know, you could have gone with a tackle to protect Rodgers, and there's a whole world of weapons available. You know, we're just talking Michael Pittman, LaVisca Cheneau, Denzel Mims. Um, a lot of ways to help improve the team immediately with this first round. One of the interesting things with the Packers as a franchise, though, is that your front office and your coaching staff are allowed to have far more patience than any other and that's because they don't have a true owner. You know, they're owned by the city of Green Bay, and anybody who bought stock in it that one time, stocks were made available. And so it's really difficult for them to oust a coach. You know, if this happened at another organization, the coach, the GM, wouldn't have been able to make that pick. Hell, we've seen 
you know, quarterbacks get their backups traded because things got to be too close. At the same point, he's a developmental guy. He's not helping you out immediately um, unless Rodgers gets hurt, with, which we've seen. But, again, then we're looking at someone who's coming in for one or two games, and you're hoping he steadies the ship. You go one and one, and those guys are available. They're all over the market. I thought this was a pick kind of signaling one of two things. It's either we're starting to move off of Rodgers or we think Jordan Love is Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think either of those are the right way for the Packers to be making their moves at this time. I agree. I think you make this pick out of luxury, and I don't think they had that luxury to make that pick. They had plenty of needs. Really well said. And, you know, the NFL is a is a win-now league more than any other league. Again, you can't be throwing around first-round picks, especially when you trade up. Um, yep. I just think it was a huge mistake because, I mean, even if Rodgers is on his way out, Sean already mentioned I think he's got three to four years left on his deal. Um, even, if, even if he is, let's say, declining from all-time best thrower of the football, He's still, he, Jordan Love's still not going to start over him, so I think this is a bad move. If you do this in the third round, somehow he drops, which he wouldn't, but if he did, okay, fair enough. But first round, I don't like this pick at all. I think you were a little friendly with your grade, to be honest. Yeah, again, I think the, the grade, again, first the first thing I speak to is, are we overreaching? Is the Does the value fit? And at Jordan Love's value, this is spot on. Um, for who he is as a prospect. People had him going even earlier, and very few looked at him as someone who could slip out of the first round. Um, but the fit with the team, I think it, it's questionable at best. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting just because, you know, if Aaron Rodgers is setting the world on fire and the Packers are still losing because of their defense or, or Rodgers <laughs> is getting sacked five times in a game, <laughs> we're going to look at it and be like, Man, that pick would have been nice if you went out and got some offensive line help, a weapon, or somebody on defense to kind of shore up that run game. Yeah, yeah. We were, just to you know put a to put an end to this. Like you know, Tom and I on Friday night talked about it, and Tom mentioned the sliding door uh, that we're going to be open now with this whole situation. I mean, all indications were that he was quote unquote beside himself after the pick was made because they assured him they were going to do something to help him out whether it was uh, a protector on the line or a weapon or even an impact defensive player, what does this do to the relationship that already seems kind of kind of tethered there? I mean, I, I, was, I even said as boldly on Friday, like this kind of signals to me that he's not going to finish his career with Green Bay and it might not even be the whole contract. I mean, I, I don't know why we expect quarterbacks to finish the career with the team that drafts them. I, th- I think that's on us. First and foremost, Eli Manning's the only one to do it. And part of that is at the end, nobody wanted him. Right. Yeah. Um, Even Phillip Rivers, who played, you know, a pretty bad season this past year is now with the Colts. If Joe Montana and Joe Namath don't get the chance to finish where they, you know, became Hall of Famers, then we shouldn't be expecting anybody to. Yeah, um, didn't neither. I, I guess it was more because I look at the four years left on the deal, and I wonder if he, they're just going to say at some point, you know what, we like what we have in this kid. He's ready now, you know, at this point, two years from now. And, and even if Rodgers is playing at a high level, they just, you know, they find yeah, a way to just move him out. Part of it, too, is look at the guaranteed money. It's really something that's, you know, I, NFL money in years, it, it's, it's lies. This is really a two-year deal. 
that Rodgers has left in my eyes in terms of how quickly you can move off of it with the guaranteed money. Um, I don't think it would be impossible for them to move off of him in two years, maybe three years. But, you know, Jordan Love has some Rodgers similarities. The one similarity they don't have is anybody saying he's the best quarterback in a draft. Right. Nobody was saying Jordan Love should be beating out Tua and Burrow. They said he's a, got a ton of tools. That's the big thing. And Rodgers had to redo his entire delivery and, you know, reshape his footwork when he got to the league. And that's what he did for years. You know, Love might be doing the same. This could be the kind of pick that we look back on in three years and say, oh, how short-sighted. Or we can look back on this in another three years and say, this was when it started to fall apart. And it turned out Love wasn't the guy. So yeah. it, it, it's going to be something that really we're not going to be able to know. How long did it take until we knew that the Rodgers pick was a good one? We're talking five, six years down the line. So it, it's, you know, it's the kind of pick that deserves an incomplete, but wow, it shocked the world. Yeah, no doubt. All right, 27, Seattle takes Jordan Brooks linebacker. What's your grade on there? Uh, I gave this one a C plus. I just, I was pretty surprised he went this high again. Or excuse me, I was looking at a different one. I gave this one a B minus. I'm still a little surprised he went that high, but he's a big, rangy linebacker. I think he's going to work well in their, you know, cover three system. He's got that kind of just wait and hit sort of attitude, Um, and he's someone who can cover a ton of range. All he did was fly around and make tackles, but, again, it's, it's a classic Seattle reach every year when I'm looking at this. The Patriots are the hardest team to figure out, and the real reason is they're not going to make the pick that they're going to make. Yeah, Seattle, to me, it's just what third rounder are they going to take in the first? Same thing last year with LJ Collier and the year before that with Danelle Pumphrey. Um, These guys in Seattle, they love their third rounders, and they take great ones in the third, but they take some average ones in the first. Uh, 28, Baltimore Ravens, Patrick Queen, linebacker LSU. That one gets an A, plug and play, instant. You know, he fits what they're going to do so well. In my mock, I had Kenneth Murray falling to them, um, but he's not available at this time. They go Patrick Queen, perfect fit. Uh, the Titans, I had taking – or not I had, they did. Uh, they took Isaiah Wilson to tackle from Georgia. I gave that one a B plus. Um, not a huge reach, but definitely not the top tackle I had on my board. However, it's going to be someone who maybe not instantly, but will quickly rise up and plug into that right tackle position that Conklin left uh he's 6'5 350 he's got some problems with his footwork and doesn't have the pure agility that someone like Makai Becton does at that size but he's got a lot of strength and he fits that run scheme that they're going to try and run where you just overpower people at 30 Miami took Noah Igbenogane corner from Auburn I gave this one a B plus it's it's fair range um but the fit You've got two very good corners. You just gave Byron Jones all that money, and um, you got uh, Xavier. Who's the corner that they've got on the other side? Maybe I'm overrating him if I can't think of his name. But you kind of have some set corners here, and Igbenogane doesn't feel like a slot corner to me. He doesn't have that immediate turn quickness. I'm sure they're gonna that they have a plan. You better if you're taking someone in the first round. But felt like a, um, just a strange fit to me. Minnesota Vikings, Jeff Ladney, TCU, gave this pick an A, not just because it was the last pick in my mock to be correct, 
but he's someone I had mocked to them at 25. He was a top four corner. They dropped back to 31, and they still got him. He's going to come in and fit really well for them. And then the last pick of the first round, Kansas City Chiefs took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the running back from LSU. I gave that pick a B plus. Again, it's a luxury pick. Not the guy I would have gone with in terms of running backs, but you know they've got a little bit of an opening in that offense. Not one of their major areas of need, but it's someone who's going to have a role very quickly. Sounds good. And it's Xavier uh, Howard that we were thinking about. Xavier Howard, thank you. Yeah. Very good corner. I think he demanded a trade about eight times last year, but very good corner. <laughs> well, maybe they're finally going to give it to him. And that would explain why they take Benogany. Yeah. Um, and similarly, none of us knew Joe Staley was retiring. 49ers trade for Trent Williams, and then the news leaks out, and that's why they're trying to do it. So, you know, sometimes these things happen a little bit in reverse of how we typically, you know, rationalize them. But even if it's not the case, like Benogane is fair value here. I'm just kind of wondering where he's going to fit in that defense, though I'm sure the Dolphins have a plan for it. All right, yeah, so, and, um, and Flores is the coach to do it. I mean, obviously, with the success he had in New England, and he's building his defense the way he wants to, especially, you know, shipping Fitzpatrick out of there last year. Um, I mean, just for the value of that pick, Frenchie, I think that's a good spot for him. Mm-hmm. Why don't you give us the grades of the teams that were outside of the um, first round, but they had the one pick in the second round, their first pick in the draft? What would you think of the Colts, the Texans, the Bills? Um, Patriots and a few others that weren't in the first round. Sure. Uh, Mike Pittman, I gave an A-. minus. He's not the wide receiver that I had at the top of uh, my board at this time. I had uh, Mims, obviously, and then Cheneau was next. Um, but Pittman was right after that. So uh, I gave the Colts, uh, what did I say, B+. Plus? B+. Plus. Um, so I really liked that pick for them. Um so I think that's a really good spot. He's very physical, and I think he's going to balance what Hilton does. Uh, Ross Blacklock, the defensive tackle for Houston there, I gave that one just a solid B. Um, God, the Texans have a lot of needs, and defensive line is not one of them. This is a good spot to take him, and I think he's a you know very good player. So I think all of those pieces fit. But I'm not sure if that's really where they needed to go, especially, you know, given what a good receiver draft this is. Even go get the person the Bears took next with Cole Komet. Um, or help out your secondary. There are a lot of different ways that they could have gone in this draft. But that one was a uh, – that one, it just didn't feel right to me. Um, the Bears took Cole Komet. I gave that one a B. They did sign Jimmy Graham. Um, so it's kind of curious how they give Jimmy Graham, you know, $8 million, and um, then they bring Colt Komet in as well with their very first pick. It's Not to mention, don't does... they have the guy from the Eagles as well? Uh, they they traded Burton. Oh, well. They traded him to the Browns. Um, so Komet, I think he will be their second tight end, and he offers some um, you know, solid pieces there. This also felt a little early for me, but, again, it's the top tight end. It's not a great tight end class. I think it's an all right spot. And at any point, if if you're riding with Trubisky and Foles, you got to get them some weapons. Um, we know that Foles loves to look at the tight ends, but I, the pick was good, and that's just kind of where I have to leave it. Um, who's next? The Rams. The Rams went with Cam Akers. I gave this one a B plus. 
huge need, very good player. And it's where the board shook out, this was the next guy aside from J.K. Dobbins, and I think those two have very similar styles. I think Akers, while he may not be able to do what Gurley does, he's going to be able to fill that role. He's not going to be Todd Gurley, and none of us are expecting him to, um, but I think he's going to do a very good job of filling that spot. And then the Bills, who, if I was talking about trades, would have easily gotten an A for getting Stefan Diggs with their first pick, get another A with A.J. Epinesa. Um, he's a guy who's going to play a little bit outside and then play some inside. Do the Bills really need someone on their defensive line with how good it was? Maybe it's not their biggest need, but this is a luxury pick for a defense that can actually afford to make luxury picks. He slid down the board. He didn't test great. He's a damn good football player, and he fits Buffalo. Um, I think that's a great pick. What do you think about the Pats before we move on to our home team grades overall? Oh, apologies. I didn't get to talk about Kyle Duggar here. Um, <laughs> I gave Kyle Duggar a B. Again, I thought that they were going to go safety, so um, they kind of got hurt by the Giants making a shrewd move and getting Xavier McKinney right before them. Kyle Duggar is a great athlete. You and I talked about him last time I was on the pod, but he was my sixth safety. The Patriots get the world of benefits. All the doubts, go ahead. You're the Patriots. Um He's a great athlete. He's going to fit an actual need for them as well. The secondary could use this kind of athletic presence, but it does feel early for Duggar. Absolutely. All right, before we get going, give us uh, give us your overall Jets and Giants grades. I'm excited to see how you feel about your team and then the other team in New York. Sure. Do you care which one I work first? Nope. You're the All boss right. here. I am. Okay. CEO um, relenting on his uh, on his power for you, Frenchie. I try. I just wanted to write those Monday morning QB articles. That's all. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a Monday morning front office. Okay. Okay. So uh, I'm going to start with the better of the two drafts, and that's the New York Jets. Let's go. Uh, I, thought the, I thought the Jets had a very good draft. I gave that Mackay Beckton pick an A minus, but after that, they got back to back A's. Denzel Mims was my number four receiver, and they took him at 59. I don't know if he's going to be a top-tier number one, but he can at worst be a damn good number two. Um, and on a team without a three right now in the Jets, that means a lot. Now, I know Perriman's there, but having Perriman just as the guy, that's not going to work. So you're able to get Mims, who's also a great downfield threat, offers a ton of athleticism at the position. Um, I think that was great value there. They follow it up with Ashton Davis, the safety from Cal, who just tracks star in a world of range. Is he going to you know, be someone I see an instant spot for? Maybe not, but he's someone who is going to have instant value and be an impact player on special teams at least. Then they get back-to-back picks from Florida. Uh, Zuniga from uh, the defensive end I think offers a lot of athleticism and is a better pick than Ja'Kai Polite from last year. So I was going to ask you that. Already. Um, LaMichael P. Ryan, again, a bit high, but I like the idea of going for a running back. Um, fourth round, again, when we're talking values a little off on. Um, James Morgan, good developmental quarterback prospect. Cam Clark, the tackle. Is he a guard? Is he a tackle? I don't know, but that's a team that can use depth on that line. Um, like that a lot. And then a flyer on Bryce Hall. He's had a lot of injuries, but he had a second-round grade before the season began. Um, and you get him in the fifth. 
If he gets healthy, you might have a starter coming out of the fifth round. If not, you've used a fifth rounder. Uh, and then and the sixth round, what I thought was a very clever move was to take the best punter in the draft. Um, I'm someone who sees a lot more value in some of these special teams players than most of our GMs seem to. Um, however, I think you know the difference in a punter being able to go a different five yards can make a world of difference. We've seen five yards win and lose games many a times before. Um, you know, same with kickers. I think kickers are underdrafted every year, but. Uh, I thought, man, sixth round, your last pick, you go get the best punter. If he comes in, wins the job. Um, out of 25 starters, you've got one in the sixth round, and that's worth applauding. Absolutely. So what's our overall grade? How are you feeling here? A minus. A minus. Okay. All right. Fringe top five draft here. That's, so, a really good, that's a really good draft. Tom, not to cut you off, but, Frenchie, when we were discussing the first round on Friday night, Tom and I, we mm-hmm. were – he was – going a little bit crazy about some Jets trading back and not getting their receiver yet, and he seemed pretty depressed. He ends up being able to get Denzel Mims here in the second round. Just going back to the first, obviously, before we saw how everything shook out, were you surprised? I know you had Ruggs going to them. He went to the next pick to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised they went back then, or were you saying, no, They at the end of the day, they need to take a tackle here and protect Arnold and figure out your depth at We'll take the depth of wide receiver later in the draft and figure it out there. Uh, I think either ways, either way makes sense to go. Um, I think that the value at tackle isn't the same later on. However, there aren't elite receivers after the top two or three. So if they went wide receiver where I thought they were going to go just because the players were graded higher there, um, I thought that would have made a lot of sense. But you still get someone with great upside and a lot of ability to come in and be a starter in the second round at wide receiver. It's very tough to look at round one of the draft and just grade from there. You know, there's so many other things that need to get done um, before those, you know, before you can really solidify those grades and what you're trying to do, you know, through the draft here. But um, you look at the entirety of the Jets draft day one, they go out, they get the mountain man and Mackay Becton to try and turn him into a dancing bear, plug-and-play starter at a tackle. Day two, they get one of my top five receivers in Denzel Mims, who's going to be a starter, Ashton Davis, who's likely going to at least have a role on this defense, and a rotational edge rusher on a team that needs them. And then in day five, or day five, um, excuse me, day three, been a long five days. That draft ain't going that long, Frenchie. I'm sorry. Uh, it breaks my heart that it won't, though. Let's bring back 30 <laughs> rounds. Um, so then on day three, you've got a speed running back who can offer some pieces there. Last year, your quarterback missed a few games, and you've got someone who has a lot of upside but needs some work. Um, you get Cam Clark, who's going to be a backup for a little bit on the interior, likely of the offensive line, but I think he can stay tackle. You know, someone to develop there, an injury risk or a guy who's had injury problems but has great upside in Bryce Hall, and then you get the top punter, and that's how they wrap up day three for themselves. And this is all done, you know, basically rounds three and four were half of their draft, and in those rounds we're talking the meat of the draft, the middle of the draft. They got two guys, maybe three guys, who are going to quickly become parts of rotations 
and two guys who are going to be developmental pieces, but high character and decent upside guys. Love it. I'll take the A minus. It sounds to me, obviously, you said the better draft. You went first. Giants' mm-hmm. best grade they can get is a B plus from here on and that out. That is the grade they got. All right, let's let's break it down. Yeah, again, so they start Andrew Thomas, and just a little holistic on this, whereas the Jets did a great job of saying, we need a tackle, got it, check that off. We need a receiver, got it, check that off. We need a safety, got it, check that off. Um, That's not the method the Giants use. Was it them using their board or really trying to harp in on a couple positions? Um, Who's to say? You know, Gettleman and Judge won't. So I'm just going to kind of speculate. It's something of a mix of the two. Uh, at the start, Andrew Thomas, I talked a little bit about that. He was my third tackle, but he's the safest. He's very pro-ready. He's going to plug and play, I believe, at left tackle. You get that at, at the top of the draft, you know, kudos. You've crossed off that issue. I thought the best pick that the Giants had and one of the best picks of the draft was getting Xavier McKinney here in round two with 36. I had him going 23 to the Patriots. Some teams, or some mocks had him as high as Cowboys at 17. Um, I even saw one or two with him to the Falcons, but we know the Falcons wouldn't want to take a good player. If the Falcons, <laughs> looking back, took Xavier McKinney, I'd have probably given that pick an A-. minus. The Giants get an A-plus for that one here. Um, Matt Peart was on my favorites list before the season or before the draft began. Took him at 99. I didn't think that they were going to go back to back tackle. They do. I personally think this is a nice developmental piece. But again, it's someone that we're not sure is going to be able to come in right away and have that impact. Whereas we saw in the Jets in round three, they get two guys who will be likely Ashton Davis finding a role in the defense and Zuniga getting a role in the defense as well. This is someone who I think is going to need a year. However, the Giants aren't winning a championship next year. Sorry, Sean. That's fine. I'm well aware of that. And they get someone who has started playing football in high school because he was a basketball player, and he was on his way to dance. And he was talking to the football coach who just noticed the size of this man. I believe it was his junior or senior year. He's on his way to dance to improve his flexibility. And the coach grabbed him and said, no, you're playing football. And he was just in. And he goes to UConn where he's had, we'll call it, mediocre coaching. Um, (laughs) Friendly. Yeah, which is as generous as I can go for a D2 school whose basketball got them into D1. Exactly. Um, And... He's going to be this lump of clay that now Jason Garrett and Mark Colombo from Dallas are going to be able to turn into something really good. I think he's not going to play this year or will play towards the tail end. But I think next year's right tackle has been found as well. So I think that's a it's a shrewd pick. It's a future move, um, but it's a very good one. UCLA corner Darnay Holmes at 110. I... Letting Biotic slide here for me was tough. Um, there's still a hole at center on this team in my eyes, but there's also a hole at slot corner. Um, there are quite a few guys that the Giants have brought in to try and fill that hole, and it might be Darnay Holmes. He's thought of as one of the smartest players in the entire draft. He graduated from UCLA in two and a half years, and he plays a very smart brand of football. He can get his footwork is a little shaky, 
Um, and he's undersized and has been used on the outside his entire career. I think a move to the slot might actually um, fix that need for them. Shane Lemieux uh, in the fifth round, Mauler. The guy just picks – he's the guy at Planet Fitness that everybody makes fun of. He picks things up and puts them down. And that's what he does with defensive linemen. Not great in pass protection. Needs some work there. Um, but I think, you know, the talk is maybe he'll move to center or you have someone who is going to be a very good backup for at least um, for a bit until a spot might open up. And that's someone, you know, fifth round worth taking. You know, part of the issue between these two drafts is the Giants are about to be at round six, pick 183, and this is the halfway point of their draft. At 191, the Jets were done, and they had nine picks. Yeah, so just in terms of where they're picking, the Jets are already coming out to an advantage. But um, Penn State linebacker Cam Brown, 6'5", 230 as a linebacker, just doesn't – his body is strange for the position, but he's a great athlete. Um, I know the Giants coach, Joe Judge, has this whole thing of tell me what someone can do, not what they can't. And this is a guy who can do a lot, was asked to do a lot, and his productivity dipped because of it. If you ask him to do one thing with the size and the athleticism, I think he can find a role. Carter Coughlin was, another, was a pick of the Giants I really liked. Um, he's going to be a special team stud, but he's very undersized and is a pass rusher. Um, I, I don't think his... You know, six one, six two, and two thirty three. I believe he is, and that's not going to be an edge rusher in the NFL. So he's going to, I think, be a special teams player and need some adjustment. T.J. Brunson, South Carolina, high character, defends the run well, um, but seventh round pick for a reason. Chris Williamson, potential slot guy, competing for the same sort of spot. Darnay Holmes is Georgia linebacker Tay Crowder. Um, he's a former running back turned linebacker from Georgia. Look at this, another SEC player, um, another SEC linebacker, no less. Running back, turned linebacker, turned Georgia captain, very productive player. But again, he's played linebacker for two or three years now after being a running back, and he plays the position quickly, though he processes slowly. So again, a developmental guy who I think is going to have an impact on special teams to begin with. But at 255, Mr. Irrelevant, I'd give him a better shot making the team than TJ Brunson, who they took earlier. But, you know, it's a bit of a crapshoot at this point. I think um, all solid picks back here. But, again, we have three offensive linemen at uh, 150. Just before this, the Cowboys jumped the Giants and took Tyler Biotich which I think, you know, would have been the perfect pick for the Giants. I was screaming they should have took him at 99 um, in my Giants-only mock. He seemed to have slid farther, I think likely due to some of the injuries that he's had and the inability to get him into the building and test. But I think that was a steal for the, um, for the Cowboys and a spot that the Giants would have really liked to have, you know, taken him. But I think Lemieux is a fine prospect for them. Um, but he's not the player in Biotis, though, I think uh, would have been more effective there. But again, I think the Giants came out of here. The Giants' biggest two needs, they needed an offensive tackle and they needed a defensive playmaker. And in their first two picks, they nailed those. And after that, 
you know, a defense, a developmental, although the coaching staff will say developing tackle who will likely be a starter in a year or two, a potential slot corner and a lot of backups and special teamers and things like that in the later rounds, all high character, which is another thing. There were no questions about, you know, body habits. There were no questions about characters. The Giants took more captains than I think any team in this draft. So I think those are the sorts of things where they were leaning a little bit more, shows up in the draft picks that they had. I give this one a B plus. They filled their two biggest holes. They might have filled a few others, and they got some good depth um, players and some good people and athletes the rest of the way. Two quick questions for you, Frenchie, um, yep. to go along with your evaluation of this B-plus draft that you gave them. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of talk that they were actively trying to trade down. You mentioned the Jaguars were moving up only for Okuda, but he wasn't going to be there with Detroit picking at three. Yeah. Andrew Thomas. In the second round, it seemed like they were poised to move down until Xavier McKinney just fell to them. Were you surprised that they didn't trade down? Did you think it was a mistake, or did you say, hey, here's a mid-first-rounder that some people mocked, and he's here at 36, screw the draft capital, take the best available player? And then secondly, after you answer that, were you surprised they didn't go wide receiver? Because I know that's another area of discussion that the Giants have had this offseason. So to answer your first point, as the draft rolled out, I was a bit more surprised they didn't trade back at four. Um, I didn't think Andrew Thomas was going to be someone who was going to go this high. I thought he would have been someone they could have gotten later on. But, you know, if you want to dance, you need a partner. And the Giants had one in the Jaguars, but the Jaguars were coming up for Okuda. Okuda's gone. They've got no one to trade with. The Dolphins weren't moving. The Chargers weren't moving. And then after that, there's a bunch of teams that want defensive players, and they're not moving um, for them because they know one of the good ones is falling to them anyway. So at four, I didn't think they're just. I didn't think it fit. At 36, I think Giants at 36 show a lesson on why you wait until you're picked to trade. Because Xavier McKinney is a hell of a player. He's a mid-first-round grade. He's one of the 20 best players in this draft, and you get him at 36 in an area of severe need. You know, if the Giants look at, oh, we need to trade back, we need to do these things, you know, because of perception of Gettleman or lack of mid-round picks, any of those things, um, I think they hurt themselves by missing out on some, you know, top-level talent there. Uh, After that, I was almost more surprised they didn't move up from 99. But, again, having already used their fifth-round pick next year, they're not going to use any of next year's picks And I don't think that there was a lot of value in moving around in this draft. Part of that because GMs just didn't want to give up as much. You know, even the trades we did see, we've seen so much more given up in drafts before. And I think part of that is the abbreviated draft process hurt the trade market a lot. So you weren't going to be getting as much if you move back. Um, And it would, you know, as well as that, it won't take as much to move up, but Teams aren't looking to do that. And what the Giants had was a plethora of seventh-round picks, and those aren't going to be great for trade bait. So I thought what the Giants did in terms of especially the first two picks, the holding pat made sense for me. I think a bit more gets made out of, oh, this GM always trades back, never trades up, all of these things. They're Again, they're narratives that we like to tell ourselves because it kind of puts things in perspective um, you know, in terms of ways that we can criticize or engage or just 
you know, laud them for it. But in this case, if we're just looking at this draft, at four, the Giants didn't have a trade partner, and at 36, it would have been foolish to move off of McKinney. There you go, Very Sean. Fair. All right, sounds good. And just, you weren't, were you surprised at all about the receiver real fast? Oh, yeah, about receiver. I was a little bit surprised about that um, just because of the depth in this draft. You know, it was a tie, I believe, for the most receivers ever taken at the uh, in one draft. So that was a little bit surprising for me just because though the Giants aren't in desperate need of one, there's value in them because they started to slide a bit. But if you look at some of the undrafted free agents that the Giants have gone after, which is something that we all know that is one of my favorite pastimes, um, they went after and they got four receivers, including Benjamin Victor, who went surprisingly undrafted from Ohio State, Derek Dillon, who ran a 4-2-9 out of LSU, as well as Ryson Johns, from Simon Fraser University, if you haven't heard of it, it's because you don't know a lot about Canadian college football. He's a six-seven receiver, tight end sort of player, and he's someone that is going to come in and you know fight for an opportunity. And at six-seven, he's easily going to be head and shoulders above the rest of the Giants' receivers, and I actually mean that rather literally. So it is a position that they're looking at with some intensity, but the value for those guys might not have been, you know, what it was on their board. Fair enough. All right, boys. Well, that about well, wraps up the draft process Does of it? 2020. Does it not? I mean, I, I thought I was doing a winners and losers segment. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I Go ahead and give us was, winners and losers. I was certainly looking forward to that. Yeah, <laughs> you got three winners and losers in this draft, Frenchie, yeah. and with an honorable mention of each, I believe. So we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about – some of the good picks, some of the bad picks. And, um, you know, we evaluated why they went where they went, or at least how you could understand it. So let's start with your winners. We'll start on a good note. Give us your three best drafts of the, of the 2020 season. Sure. My first uh, number one draft goes to the Minnesota Vikings. They set a record for 15 picks in a draft. Unbelievable. The record before this was 13. And while doing that, they got two additional picks next year which is difficult to do in this draft. They took care of their top two needs by getting Justin Jefferson, Jeff Gladney. In the fourth round, they got DJ Wanham, which was a bit of a reach, but he was on my favorites list for a reason. Um, James Lynch, the defensive tackle from Baylor, who has a lot of explosion and quickness inside. And Troy Dye, who is my fifth-ranked linebacker and is going to be really good in coverage. They got Ezra Cleveland, a tackle in the second round, who's a perfect zone fit. Um, in the third round, they got Cam Dantzler, the corner from uh, Mississippi State, who's got a lot of length and can keep developing, as they also took Gladney, but it's another big corner. And in the seventh round, they stole Kenny Wileckes, who I thought was a really good pick there. And when you've got 15 picks, you know, even if you have some reaches or some misses, you're going to be able to make up for them. I think we're going to look back on this draft as one of the better ones. My second best draft, Baltimore Ravens. Their favorite today for most people, and there's good reason for that. Top need was linebacker. Got a really good one in Patrick Queen. They got another one in the third round with Malik Harrison. They got J.K. Dobbins later than I thought he'd be, and that feels like Rich getting richer at running back. He's just another person who's really going to help out that ground game and fit what they're doing awesome. Matabuike, the defensive tackle from uh, Oklahoma, was a – or excuse me um, – he was a steal at uh, 71. 
And I think that he's really going to help out the uh, he's going to help out the defensive line there, Matabuike from Texas A&M. And I just think what they did was really good. They also got Duvernay, um, big fast receiver, James Prochet at uh, 201. He's going to be really good there. Um, this team didn't have a lot of people flocking to them in free agency from receiver two years ago. There weren't a lot of great ones in this free agent class. So they add a couple other guys into that group. Um, Geno Stone slipped to 219. They picked him up. At worst, he's a solid uh, special teams guy. You know, at best, they've got another box safety. My third best draft goes to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they got a stud receiver. Don't know how Lamb fell to him, but he did. Trevon Diggs at 51 was great value at a major position of need. Neville Gallimore, the defensive tackle from Oklahoma. Um, the D-line needs help. He's going to come in right away. I had him ranked much higher. They got him at 82. Biotic, if he's healthy, has the potential to be a starting center next year, if not the year after, and they took him at 146. And then in the seventh round, they took Bradley and I, who slid. There might be some off-field issues, but he offers some good potential um, as a pass rusher and a defensive end. Honorable mention real close to this, the Jaguars. First two picks, defensive building blocks. They got LaVisca Cheneau in the second round, whom I love. Let's give Minshew some help and see if he can actually be the guy. Ben Barch in the fourth. I think he's going to find a role on that line. And Josiah Scott at 137. I thought that was later than he would go. Or even around that range, I do think he's going to have um, an impact in that defensive rotation. Awesome deal. Tom, how do you feel about those real fast? Listen, I'd love to see my Jets up there, but I just don't think they did as well as those teams. I really like, I hate to say it, I love what the Cowboys did here. Um, I think they really set themselves up for success over the next couple of years. Replaced a lot of the holes with their big center or offensive lineman retiring. Um, I mean, they go out and they get that weapon there at 17. Uh, they they had a great draft. They really did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's right, go. How about your losers? Some losers here. All right, some losers. Worst draft. It's not just Jordan Love, but the whole draft for the Packers was terrible. AJ Dillon in the second round might have been the biggest reach in the entire draft, just in terms of someone who was looking at at being drafted in the fifth round, sixth round, and taking him in the second, I was stunned. Um, even if that's someone who you thought would be gone, the, the big bruising backs who are somewhat slow, you know, they're available later. You can find another one. Uh, Josiah DeGuerra, he was not near the top of the, my tight end board. A lot of other ones were available when they took him. Um, even just guys in that range – if you're looking at my board, we're talking Harrison Bryant, but if you're looking just off other boards, um, there were there's so many other tight ends they could have gone. I didn't think that that was really where they needed to go, especially considering that the wide receiver class at that point still had a lot of weapons available. Um, at the top, they had a pair of reaches, and they took a backup quarterback. And at best, the rest of their draft, they got fair values and a few other reaches. If you're a Packers fan, there are zero picks in this draft that you're excited for. The only way that this draft class can be saved is if Love does the 
Rodgers, what Rodgers did to Favre into the league and said, look at me, I'm a steal later on. Five years, um, the rest of this draft may not matter, but for now you've got a backup developmental quarterback for at least two years and no other impact players. Woof. Depressing. Yep. All right. For a Packers fan, it should be. <laughs> Give um, us your next loser. Uh, my next one was the Atlanta Falcons. I've already kind of crushed them about this A.J. Terrell pick, even if it is at a major position of need. Reach of the draft, at least reach of the first round. It, I can't speak enough to that. Marlon Davidson was a fair pick, I guess. Um, he's probably going to play a bit more inside. Matt Hennessy was a good pick, but that's not the center position isn't one where they really need someone, and they took two offensive linemen with their top two picks last year. So, again, is this still something that is the major hole, especially considering how many other issues they've got in the rest of the class? The Terrell pick, um, that one was just a shocker. That one dropped them heavy for me. My third worst draft goes to the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, might not be someone who gets to question Super Bowl champions, but that is my, well, I call it job, but we'll say hobby. Um, <laughs> the running back they took, he was my third running back. He's going to have a role, and I'm sure he'll look great playing in the Kansas City offense, but I still think that there were better running backs available. Willie Gay Jr., who was their next pick, he played six games last year because he was suspended um, for a litany of different things and then didn't play in the bowl game because he got into a fight at practice with their quarterback. I, he's someone who I just – Kansas City takes a lot of risks on character, and it's paid off for them in Tyreek Hill and maybe not the best look for the league, but the Chiefs certainly don't care to, about what happens there. Um in this case, Gay has had a lot more issues with teammates and with his team than extracurriculars, um, to put it nicely. So that uh, Lucas Niang, the tackle at 98, he's had a lot of injuries. And a pick later, Matt Peart went, who I think will need a year just like Niang will. But Peart doesn't have injury concerns in the same way. And no later picks were steals. Mike Dana was kind of the biggest name left after those. And I think that was something of an overdraft. But again, at 177, does it really matter if he's a good player? I just don't know if I see it with him. Um, new running back there, fine. I just don't. I don't think they got better in this draft. This isn't a draft. They had one player where you walked out and you said, "Wow, like he's really going to have a role in Clyde Edwards-Helaire." But he's someone who I don't think was the best running back they could have had, and. This is a team that still has some defensive holes and some other places they could have gone to really elevate them, and they didn't do that. Yeah, they needed a better statement draft, I think, for the statement shirts, the Tommy Bahamas that Reed was rocking all weekend. Oh, yeah. Reed looked great there. My honorable mention for worst draft, um, Washington Redskins. You've got a gold jacket player in Chase Young, so I can't make you a loser. But aside from... Getting him at two, and then Antonio Gandy-Golden in the fourth round, they had a terrible draft. Every other pick was a big reach, um, and at, at best you're hoping that Gibson turns into a gadget guy a la Tavon Austin. Yeah, not great. All right, Frenchie, before we let you go, Tom and I, we discussed it on Friday night. 
just give us real quick your overall impressions of the first ever virtual draft. I, I think it had some good things, some bad things. Goodell was cheesy. What did you take away from it before we let you go? I give Goodell an A+. Plus. He might have been the most impressive person in this whole draft. It was cheesy. Fine, I'm with you. But it was, there were some heartwarming moments that I really liked. Um, you know, the commercials and a lot of it, again, it was something to me where they said, we're all going to try and get away from what's happening right now, but now we're going to keep bringing it up. So that was something where, to me, I was like, oh, but at any point, you raise over $100 million in charities for these kinds of organizations. I can't criticize the methods that you go about doing in it, doing it in. Um, I liked the fact that there were some nice moments at home and we got to judge all the home settings and things like that. And, um, you know, Gettleman's in his frickin' attic and, you know, Bill Belichick doesn't even have a desk to work at. Uh, Mike Rabel, there's a kid taking a shit in his, you know, screen and why someone wearing that mask, all those different things. I thought it was fun. It might not be the way I want to do it every year, but... Um, the idea that they're going to bring in some of these different elements and have, you know, potentially families or other kinds of things involved like this. I thought it was neat to have a little bit of the behind the scenes elements that they brought in. Number one thing I'll say is they did an excellent job of lowering expectations by saying that there was an issue with the very first pick in the first mock draft they did. I'm not sure if there was or wasn't, but the draft went off without a technical glitch. And that's just phenomenal right there. So um, I always think it's better I, I to get out in front of the issue and just, you know, blow the whistle on yourself. Yeah, exactly. I, but I thought, I thought the draft went great for um, the situation that we were in. The only thing that drove me crazy was on the uh, telecast of it, all of the player breakdowns were so far behind the player selections. So that drove me a little crazy. But beyond that, I think it was really well done. Tom, Jerry Jones' yacht or Kingsbury's house? Who's, what's your number one? Jerry Jones' yacht. If I can flip that thing for $286 million and Kingsbury only paid four point six for his house, let's just do the math there, Sean. There you go. I was just wondering your personal preference. I could have whatever I want with $286 million. Four point six, <laughs> I'm living you. a nice life, but two eighty six, <laughs> I mean, shit. I could make you my servant. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Oh, Tom, let me say one more thing, because I did bring up a couple undrafted free agents the Giants got, except I didn't mention Kyler Murphy, the center from Rhode Island, I think has a good shot at the team. Let me just hit you with a pair of guys, your Jets got both defensive backs. Uh, first from Utah, Javelin Guitry. Um, he was someone I actually had mocked to the Jets in the sixth round with their last pick. As we did it, I thought that was a great selection there, really fast guy. And then they also brought in Shaheen Carter from Alabama, so... Nice. Um, a pair of guys that I think are definitely have good shots to make the roster and have some big impacts in their first round coming in uh, without getting a home on draft night. So a couple other guys to look forward to for you folks in green. You always keep coming with the information. I love it. <laughs> Frenchie, thanks so much for joining us through this process again, man. Year two, uh, over and done with. I certainly appreciate it. And uh, I know everybody listening uh, big fans as well. Yes. Happy to do it. Let's talk about some of these articles later on, Tom. And, uh, you know, everybody be sure to keep in touch, stay safe, stay sane. And, uh, let's start looking forward to next year. Trevor Lawrence, number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars.
<laughs> you heard it here for you heard here probably twentieth, but you heard it here. <laughs> All right, boys. All right, guys. Good job. Good job by you. See you everybody. Stay inside. <laughs>